0: Hello, folks. No music today because I forgot to charge my iPad. one uh, percent better next week. We're building brick by brick, trying—you know—it's uh, one one and o each week or something like that. <laughs> All right, welcome to the Big Arch Podcast. I am Charlie Burris here with my co-host and A to sports writer Zach Reagan. Where have you listened? throughout the world. We thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I are talking everything Vols every week here on the big orange podcast. And if you want to listen to that regularly, make sure you go over to the A to Z sports podcast network feed and rate review, but most importantly subscribe because when you subscribe, you won't miss our episodes. When we drop them on Mondays, then go to YouTube. If you are not already watching it, there on the live stream. Got uh, people pouring in here to hang out. Um, but on YouTube, subscribe, notification bell, like button, share the show. Share it with your friends. Just go. Um, I mean, I assume that some of you guys have friends. I don't really. But, like, if I did, I would tell them about the show, right? So share the show. At Charlie underscore Burris, At Zach TNT. At A to Z Sports. Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports. Nashville. And A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that Zach and I write on the internet. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Already got comments. says, Don't you dare brick by brick me, says Knox in the comments. <laughs> I won't. It was a joke. We're here. We're just trying, trying to have fun because. Oh boy. Tennessee went into Sanford Stadium, Athens, Georgia, and got handed its first loss of the season in a pretty ugly fashion. We're gonna talk about all of it today, uh, between me and Zach, hope we're, we're not, we're not going to wallow in it. No, no misery here. Plenty to look forward to. If you're Tennessee, that's going to kind of be uh the the thrust of the show also. But, um, you know, we're, we're just gonna get, give you our most honest take what we really thought about what happened there and, and we'll go from there. But Zach, what is up, man?
1: Just trying to, uh, trying to get past this Georgia loss and uh, look at the bright side of things because there is a, a lot of bright things to talk about uh, for the remainder of the season, for what we've seen so far this season. It's it's not all doom and gloom, and it's certainly not going to be that uh, from us here today. So, Still, though, it was a tough loss, tough to digest, tough to watch, uh, not what we really expected. Even though we both picked Georgia to win, we we picked it to be more of a shootout, did not really expect them to be able to shut down Tennessee's offense that way. So, you know you learn from it, hopefully Tennessee learns from it, gets better from it. That's the best defense that they're gonna see all season, so really that that's as good as that's as good as the offense can go up against then and you gotta look at that as the bright side, saying, "Hey, how does Tennessee's coaches learn from this? How do they see how Georgia attacked them? Use that game film to flip the script if they happen to play again or if they play another really talented defensive team like that
0: yeah it's <laughs> I had some people kind of in comments, replies and stuff after that game. They're like, well, Georgia just gave everybody the blueprint for how to beat Tennessee. And I'm like, well, can those people come up with an entire 11-man defense worth of five-star players that can big boy you like Georgia did? Because otherwise, I don't necessarily see that happening. Also, can they produce one of the loudest environments I, I think I've seen in college football outside of like Neyland during the Alabama game things, you know? It there was, there was in that game what I would call a perfect storm. I think that that's how I could frame it best. Tennessee was walking into Hornets' nest, and you know, it's it's not necessarily an excuse for getting your butt kicked, but it is also what it was. I think you can call a spade a spade, and go that's not necessarily an excuse for getting your butt kicked up and down the field like Tennessee kind of did in that game and I I just got done rewatching the game I got a lot of thoughts in terms of you know how how everything went I don't think it was as simple as just Georgia went in there and just strangled you to death Tennessee had their chances actually and I'm I'm gonna go into that but uh before we get to all of that, I gotta give a shout out to the amazing sponsor that keeps this show going. SuperBook Sports. Can you be Vegas this football season? Superbook Sports gives you that chance every week to go head to head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms, no guys across this across the pond setting lines for American sports, just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds, boosts, and promo bets anywhere. So, download the Superbook Sports app or visit superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas right now. Visit superbook.com for terms and conditions. If you have a gambling problem, call 1 800 889 9789. That is Superbook Sports. Go download it ASAP. Um, some interesting lines coming up this week. I, I think I, I didn't take a look right before this So what Tennessee is a favorite over mizzou but i want to say it's like three touchdowns going into this mizzou game uh something something along those lines yeah here it is right here yep 21 21 tennessee is minus 21 going into that game so um clearly vegas does not think much of missouri and uh we're going to preview that at the end of the show and uh and give our full prediction of the missouri game that's going to be coming up also, after we talk about Georgia and we talk about, I think, the main thrust of this show is really going to be about going forward. The hope that Tennessee should have, um, even though they just took, took that loss to Georgia. I think there's plenty, plenty to play for. And I'm sure Tennessee fans have been analyzing all of the playoff scenarios and everything in their minds already. And we're just going to flesh all those out. So first, with this Georgia game, as I said, I just got done rewatching it almost in its uh, entirety or I did it some yesterday and a little bit today. And I don't think that Tennessee was as bad as it's kind of being framed. Uh, I'm sure we all saw, if you saw any of the national media, the the national media was clearly ready to just tear Tennessee down. I mean, I, I saw plenty of people like, Tennessee's back in their place. You have to know your place. At eight and one wins over Alabama, LSU. Know your place. No your no. Tennessee needs to know its place at the number five team in America. I mean, we're still going to have bravado going forward. So screw all the people that said anything like that. That's stupid. But then, um rewatch this game. Georgia came in with an excellent game plan. I, I said this to Crompton in the post game show. It it makes me want to vomit to say this. Kirby smart. He did not start off as a great coach at Georgia, in my personal opinion. He was really rough in in in-game decision-making. He was an amazing recruiter, and clearly that has all caught up, and they really, you know, they're just a total powerhouse now. But Kirby is, at least on defense, is a serious force to be reckoned with. And I, I can't emphasize enough how much I hate saying that. the the stupidest haircut in all college football and just somebody that is repulsive to me, but he's doing a good job. And he came in with a great game plan here against Tennessee. And that that's where I would go with the jumping off point. Did, did you rewatch this game yet, Zach?
1: I have not. I still have it on my DVR, but I haven't worked. It's the first game that Tennessee's played besides the UT Martin game that I haven't rewatched this season. So it's still there. I don't know if I will or not, but I, I, I kind of got the same. just on the live watch of it, I felt the same way. Even immediately after, I knew that Tennessee missed chances. I knew that they had opportunities and there was throws down the field that they missed that if they would have connected with like they had in previous weeks, maybe this game goes completely different. But you also can't deny that Hinden Hooker was under pressure most of the day. I mean, he's escaping the pocket. It seemed like every other play having to try to make something happen. A few times I thought he held on to the ball too long where perhaps maybe throw the ball away. You live for second and 10 instead of uh, second and 18 or or third and 10 instead of third and 18. Could have made things a little easier on Tennessee. I think, obviously, Georgia's talent. I mean, you can't deny that, right? We all know that. We all. I mean, you can just look at their offensive line, their tight ends. I mean, they're huge. Darnell Washington looks like – I mean, he does not look like a tight end should look at all. That guy's massive. Uh, but they're just big guys. They're fast. They're physical. There's a reason that they're as good as they are without running a super complex offensive and defensive scheme because they just have the dudes. At the same time, I think Kirby Smart deserves a lot of credit for. I mean, he his comments before this game sounded so much different than any other coach that's played Tennessee this year, except for maybe Nick Saban. Saban took Tennessee pretty serious, but he's—I mean—that's Nick Saban. That's why he's won seven national championships, Kirby Smart was, I mean, he was laying it out there like, hey, these guys are physical. You guys think they're a passing team? No, they're a running team. They run between the tackles. I mean, he gave Tennessee the utmost respect that you would expect the number one team in the country to receive. And I think that mindset where Kirby wasn't laughing at, thinking it was a gimmicky offense, he wasn't uh, talking about their motions and things that they can't do. He talked about all the things they can do, and they prepared – for that, uh, effectively, obviously. I think he deserves a lot of credit for for having the right mindset and having his team prepared. I mean, they did not take Tennessee lightly. Uh, If anything, Tennessee being number one gave them a little added motivation, along with some other things that kind of came from not Tennessee's team this week, but outside noise. Uh, Eric Ainge talking about the crowd (laughs) at Sanford Stadium. And it wasn't just Eric Ainge. Josh Dobbs was doing it. Yeah. Ramon Foster, a friend of the show that we love. I mean, he, he said the same thing that playing in Sanford Stadium wasn't that loud. I mean, it wasn't just so uh, on on that that note. I think the framing of that
0: age made such a huge deal about it where he was like this environment. I don't know exactly what he said, but he was just like, you know, he basically was just like this environment sucks. You know, <laughs> like he just didn't give it any respect at all. I think two things can be true at once here as far as that goes. It in the past, it has absolutely been a middling environment as far as SEC football goes. It is not in those those elite environments that,
1: that you've seen like Nealand against Alabama. It hasn't right, been and that's there. why that's why I think that what Ainge and Dobbs said is accurate. I don't think they're yes, throwing exactly. shade. like that's their experience. Exactly. They had that experience. I mean, what are you going to tell them that they didn't have the experience they
0: had in Sanford stadium? I, I think it's true that it has been middling in the past. Now, Georgia juggernaut, they know it. Their fans were pissed off coming into this game because all they got told all week was that their stadium is quiet and, and that Georgia's sleepwalking through this season and, and they came in and you know, <laughs> sort of Georgia fans were like they took that personally and they came in there and they were super, super loud. I, I, all the media that I've seen that was there, I mean, they they were just like it was just as loud as Nealand against Alabama and it was completely raucous. And so you know you gotta again, it makes me ill credit where, where you gotta give it. Yeah, it, it was it has been middling in the past and it has been this sort of blue hair group that takes up a lot of the stadium uh, with, with their big money tickets. But
1: this game was crazy and that that is what it is. So you know you know what really gave them the motivation though? Uh, I, I don't know how many people caught this, but after the game, a lot of Georgia players were talking about, oh, they said they're gonna put up fifty points. That, you know, fifty points this, fifty points that. That was again, that's nothing that came from Tennessee. That was anonymous coaches that told ESPN this past yeah. week that that Georgia's defense wasn't as good, that they didn't have the guys to stop Tennessee, that they could see Tennessee putting up fifty. So if you want to blame anyone for giving Georgia bulletin board material, uh, it all came from outside of, of the team, the coaches. None of them provided any of that material for Georgia. It was all all you know, national media type stuff and then some other players. I, and I just want to address here because John Hill gave us a super
0: chat. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate it. He says, we were four and seven two years ago. <laughs> Cornbread was fired. 35-plus players hit the portal. And we will end the season eleven and one in Heupel's second year. Wow, who'd have thunk? Go, Big Orange! I'm I'm absolutely right there with you. You got to yeah. keep perspective in this moment.
1: Who you, wouldn't have signed up for this? Who exactly. Who would have even believed uh, eleven and one with what? Lost to Georgia, a two touchdown loss on the road in Athens in bad weather conditions. Some things that didn't really go Tennessee's way. I mean, how many seventy five yard punts have you seen? Right. And and I understand. I, I guess it was D. Williams that was back to return that, and he was kind of caught in between in this weird little. He thought the punt was going to be shorter, so he's not back as far. And then when it goes over his head, the trajectory. I mean, I'm thinking it's going into the end zone for sure. And it just. I mean, that's. It, I mean, credit to the punter, but you do that ten times. How many? How many of those are going out the one yard line? That was two? one. Of the greatest punts I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> Let's just call yeah. that what it was. Yeah, it was a freak, like a hundred-year punt <laughs> that they had in that game, and and that's one of the the biggest points. Uh, like there was just stuff in this game. It was a perfect storm. I go back to that, in Hornets Nest. Tennessee was just walking in to a semi truck coming right at them. That's what this was, and and I I I'm gonna get into the minutia there. Um, but before we go to, go off to that point of like, you know, Georgia fans coming in mad, Georgia players coming in mad, like with the bulletin board material given by national media, not necessarily Tennessee, but yeah, Brittany says, shout out to all the Tennessee fans that thought it was a good idea to call Stetson Bennett all night. Apparently his number got leaked online. Tennessee fans called him all night, the night before the game. Uh, and, and he, another thing he took that personally, just like the Georgia crowd. And, and he had, a, he had a great game. Kirby had a great game plan. Stetson played a great game and, and here we are, but let me, from this point, let me get into like my thoughts on where I said, I've rewatched the game now and, and I think Tennessee had their chances in this game and it ended with this perfect storm that blew up in their face. But I, I think it was the third drive of the game. It's seven to three. Tennessee has the ball and on a third down play hooker goes over the top to Hyatt. Hyatt is open streaking down the sideline in a classic, you know, Hinden hooker, Jalen Hyatt play and hooker overthrows him by three feet. You know, it's just a little too far. Hyatt probably could have laid out and gotten a hand on it, but I don't know. I still don't know if he would have caught it. And Tennessee punts the ball back to Georgia. Well, at that point, uh, Tennessee's defense makes a nice stop. They, they really, oh, they one thing through. real
1: quick before we gloss over that Hyatt play is I believe that's the play where he kind of got tangled up with the official and rolled over on his ankle a little bit too. Yes. And you have to wonder how much that impacted his ability to, to be Jalen Hyatt, his, his, what we've seen the last few weeks. I mean, that was something else just on top of all the other factors yeah. that went into this game.
0: It, it was everything. Um, so he misses Jalen Hyatt over the top there. Tennessee's defense makes a really nice stop. And then it's the the greatest punt ever <laughs> that I've ever seen against Tennessee. I mean, personally, I don't remember one. The, the only one that I remember that's kind of comparable was uh, Trevor Daniel, right, against Georgia in 2015, where mm-hmm. he punts it and it rolls out of bounds at the one yard line. But that one wasn't a 75 yard punt. It was a very good directional punt that, that Trevor Daniel was, you know, did a great job with, but this, you know, 75 yards down to the one yard line, they back you up, they, frankly, they get you into a safety. And for some reason, the refs didn't call it a safety. I still don't really understand that, but whatever. Um, And, and it just, it blossomed from there. Cause if Hyatt, that, that overthrow of Hyatt, you would have been up 10, 10, uh, seven at that point. Then you make a stop on Georgia, you know, you would think you make a stop on Georgia uh like Tennessee did in the ensuing possession maybe it's the magic punt maybe not but things would have changed because you even if it was the magic punt you have a 3 point lead you're up 10-7 you because Georgia gets the ball back on the next drive and you go down 14 they score a touchdown and you go down 14 to 3 i mean it was a giant swing in that game 14 point swing that that went from you being 10-7 to you being. 10-7. Uh,
1: you talk. I mean, we've we've also skipped over another big swing that happened on the first touchdown of the game when Stetson Bennett scrambled into the end zone on uh, third down. I mean, Jawan Mitchell, Tim Bates dialed up a great Adam. pressure, and Jawan Mitchell got there. And I'm not throwing shade at Jawan Mitchell by any means. Stetson Bennett was just able to get free as quarterbacks do. Athletic quarterbacks do that. We we've seen Hendon Hooker do it a lot he gets free and gets into the end zone for a touchdown if Jawan Mitchell makes that tackle, you know, you hold him to a field goal there, that also changes the entire uh, vibe of the game. So,
0: something that I really resent that I saw from a lot of Georgia media after this game was this talking point where, well, Georgia's offense could have put up 80 points in this one if they wanted to. That's not true. On on rewatch that is not the case. Tennessee had... So, I, I actually... I went on a show um, before the game. I, I don't remember which one. I did like three or four last week spots that, that weren't this show. Um, And I said, if Tennessee's defense gets four stops in this game, Georgia has to punt four times in this game, Tennessee is right there and will have a chance to win this one. They did. And I think they actually had five or six. I mean, it, it really... They, they played up. Now, the ones that I'm counting, they had four stops when Georgia was still playing full bore. You know, because because all of these writers, they were like, well, Georgia, Kirby slowed the ball down and was running the ball only in the second half. and I, And, you know, fair enough. It started raining and he did do that. But before that happened and Georgia was still trying to, you know, hit Tennessee over the top, they were kind of trying to play Tennessee's game against Tennessee. And they were successful on a couple of plays there. But Tennessee's defense had stops. They made timely spot stops that ended with the pun of the century and just some of these things that ended up happening. But I, I resent that. Tennessee's defense did more than enough for Tennessee to win this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that was when Georgia was playing full blown offense. You know, not, not the, the ratcheted down version that started when the rain started in the second half. They they really did. Like, I, I think. Tennessee in this game would have had to score 40 probably still, I, but the, the, these people with these talking points were like Georgia could have put up 70. No, they couldn't have. No, they wouldn't have done that. Tennessee was getting stops, timely stops, which is exactly what they needed. They you just have to get enough timely stops with this offense when the you know when the offense is working at 100. You just have to get timely stops that hold the opposing team to 35. And Tennessee wins with 40 points. Like it, I think it would have been that simple. But they, again, Kirby came in with an amazing game plan and and stifled this offense. And we all saw it happen. But I I resent that. I don't like that at all. No,
1: I don't either because I go back to what I said about Kirby Smart at the beginning of the show and his respect for Tennessee's offense. I don't think he ever felt like this off, we've stopped this offense totally. I think he felt like at any time Tennessee could, could pop off a big explosive play and get right back in the game. And that's, again, that's why he's a good coach. But he need, he knew Georgia needed to score points. Like he wasn't counting anything as a as a win, just because Georgia was up twenty one to three or whatever it was uh, early in the second quarter. He was still definitely uh, adhering to the game plan that he came into with. Now, when the weather started and he knew Tennessee couldn't throw the ball. He's under throw the ball. Either. Yeah, that does change the style of play, and it did work against Tennessee as far as trying to make a comeback. They, I mean, that's just not ideal for their offense. They still managed to go and score their only points of the game in those conditions, though, on a Jalen Wright touchdown. So they were still moving the ball, and, and they, you know, they played fairly well in the second half. They just weren't able to hit uh, when they had guys open. Tennessee, uh, I believe Josh
0: Heupel said this in his press conference today. T- Tennessee was across Georgia's 40 yard line six times in this game and produced 13 points. That can't happen. It just can't happen. And, and again, credit, credit to Georgia. They brought it. But it's not like you weren't moving the ball at all. And like to start the game, you got exactly what you wanted a turnover immediately. And you're thinking, holy cow, this is it. This is the this is the start we needed. And they hold you to a field goal, which I was happy with the points, but they they hold you to a field goal there. And you're thinking, like, man, this is this couldn't have started better with the exception of getting a touchdown there. This really couldn't have started better. And and they return with a, a touchdown after that, and then it's the, the miss to Jalen Hyde and yada, yada, yada. We already talked about it. But, I mean, in, in, multiple points in this game, you got what you wanted. And it's and it's what makes me think, um, like M- Mr. Jones says it here in the comments, says, neutral side game would be a lot different. I completely agree. Yeah, I think... Like Tennessee and and Heupel, they have, I think, a, a different view of Georgia at this point. Because even Heupel said in his press conference today, he said that their their defense did things that they weren't expecting Georgia's defense to do, and it, that goes to his Kirby. But um, it caught them off guard a little bit. I I also I I do knock Heupel and and Golish a little bit. I think they their play calling in the face of what. Georgia was doing was not as good as it could have been because uh, Georgia just took the top off. They they said you're not throwing long on us, and they have the dudes to stop you from doing that. Keely Ringo can do that to Jalen Hyatt, like he just can, and Brew McCoy, or whoever. Um, they have the dudes to stop you going long on them like that, and so you have to kind of dink and dunk. And Tennessee was fairly effective at certain points, but there were some, especially on like third downs, and and some second down like run plays where I was just like ah. I don't know about that play call. Like what, what, what exactly were you aiming for there? Like, I don't, I don't know what they were doing. And I, there were just a moment. And I think Hypel took full credit for that or, or full blame for that. Uh, during that press conference today, he didn't lay a single ounce of blame on the players. And I love him for that. Um, you know, he, he said, he said, Georgia did things we weren't expecting and, you know, turned it on in on himself and the staff. And, and so I, yeah, I mean, you have to bring that up too. This was not Hypel's finest hour either.
1: No, and it, it wasn't just that. The biggest thing to me was the pre-snap penalties with the crowd kind of affecting the way that Tennessee played. I mean, I can't remember how many pre-snap penalties they had. It was like eight maybe or, or nine. It was it was way up there, and that's a terrible way to start a drive. I don't know if you watched the Josh Heupel show, but he talked about that a lot during his coach's show. I mean, you're starting in first and 15 every single time, it seemed like. I mean, you're already behind the chains, and it completely changes the way Tennessee's offense operates. The other thing I think that is uh, maybe the biggest weakness of this team that I think showed itself against Georgia, and you kind of alluded to it there, is when they get on the other side of the field, they get down close to the red zone, the field shrinks. Okay, so you you don't have as much space. I mean, vertically, you don't have as much space as you do the the rest of the time. And I think it changes the way Tennessee's offense has has to operate. Against less talented teams, they haven't had any issues at all. They've been great in the red zone all year. Against an elite defense like Georgia, we saw where they have a weakness. There is when that sh- when that field gets shorter, they have issues getting the ball into the end zone. Against a team as talented as Georgia, so I don't think that's a huge concern because we we saw them have issues with certain things last year, and they've improved greatly this year. I think they'll continue to improve. I think that's one of the best things about this game is the fact that Josh Heupel, Golish, this staff, they're so smart. They're so innovative. They're always trying to stay ahead of things. They get 60 minutes of game film to show how a team completely shut down their offense or, or for the most part shut down their offense as far as scoring points. They get all this game film to go over and dissect and to kind of stay ahead now of like, hey, this is how the best team in the country shut us down. This is, okay, some people might say it's the blueprint for how to beat Tennessee, but for Tennessee... It's the blueprint for how you you go back and beat Georgia if you play them again because yeah. you have all this film and I I have enough faith in Josh Heupel and his staff to be able to take that film and figure out a way to beat it and I think they I think they'll have a much better game plan if they play again. Absolutely, and and you eliminate the pre snap
0: penalties. I mean, it was I think Tennessee had nine penalties and seven of them were false starts. Like just ugh. You know, it's, it's stuff like that where this was just over before it started. Um, and and you, you clean you clean that up. You know, it's not as much of a factor if you play them on a neutral field, like per se, the Peach Bowl and the college football playoff. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, um you know, you eliminate some of that. And because, like, uh, one of the big instances I haven't even brought up yet, Tennessee gets down into the red zone in the first half. And they're, they're really moving the ball pretty effectively. And it's uh, probably their best drive of the game so far. They get to third and two in the red zone. False start. False start. And then you're back at third and 12. They have to get the field goal. And then it's, I, I if I'm thinking correctly, that's where it was in that game. Um, and, I mean, it, it's it's that. You lost four points. You got a field goal out of it. But you lost four points right there. And it was because of false starts. You went third and two. I mean, I think Tennessee, they were moving the ball really effectively. I think they end up with a touchdown there without those false starts. And and it's stuff like that. We're on a neutral field or a Neyland Stadium or something like that. I think this game goes significantly differently. Um, And, you know, none of the national media is going to give Tennessee credit for that because they just, they saw what they saw and they wanted to put Tennessee in their place, so to speak. And so they're, you know, they're all just, oh, Tennessee sucks or whatever. You know, go ahead and think that, I guess. But I, I want to see this game again. I, I very, very much do. Um, I don't think that it gives other defenses this perfect blueprint to beat Tennessee, unless they can come up. Like I said, unless they can come up with a full eleven players worth of you know five stars on both sides of the ball, and you know the things that Georgia has, like this,
1: this really. Let's be honest. They were such a good tackling team. That yeah. was huge. There was no like yard no after discipline catch. So uh, let's be honest about what this weekend was. This was a changing of the guard.
0: Is what this defense or what this weekend was. Alabama loses to LSU for their second loss of the season, and they get eliminated from the college football playoff. Barring LSU has a loss, and and then Alabama goes to the SEC championship game and somehow beats Georgia. I mean, it's pretty could happen, but it's remote. Um, this supplanted Georgia as the new Alabama. Like to me, like you. It had seemed that way, but I was kind of like, ah, can can Kirby keep it going? He's losing a ton of guys this year. There, it's it's still there. This is powerhouse. And I again, I've said it every time I brought up how good George is. It makes me ill. I, I want to throw up thinking about it. But this is what that was. Saban's taking a step back. George is taking a step forward. And they they just have they have it all built up with all these five star players coming off a national championship and the the pieces for, for a, you know, a long-term powerhouse, it's all there. And this was the, it was two ships passing in the night, Alabama going down to LSU and and Georgia supplanting itself as the best team in America. And that, uh, uh I, I hate, uh, I hate it, but it it, that's, that's the situation. That's what it is. Let's be honest. That's what it was. I don't know how you could really argue otherwise.
1: No, you're right. And and before I touch on that real quick, uh, James says, we can officially put an end to the delusional comparison 2019 LSU and 2022 Tennessee. Obviously, yes, you cannot compare them anymore. Tennessee's lost now. Tennessee's had a game where they only scored 13 points. I mean, that that comparison is certainly gone. And, and I never really, I don't think I ever said that Tennessee is 2019 LSU. I think what I did and a lot of other people did is they just compared the numbers and said, hey, this is what LSU did through this many games.
0: Just this what Tennessee
1: do. Yeah, it's just similar. Yeah, it's fun to do. It's fun to look at the parallels between and say, hey, you know, obviously, I think if I wrote anything, I was pretty clear about they got to play. They got to do it for 15 games to be 2019 LSU. Like 2019 LSU is something incredibly special that we'll probably never, ever see again. Uh, and through the first eight games of the year, they were right there with, 2019 LSU as far as the numbers after this week I mean he's right we we cannot make that comparison anymore uh that's where it ended was against Georgia uh and and part of that I think is Georgia like you said becoming the new Alabama in a sense because I do think that what we saw this weekend is that Alabama's run as this dynasty is pretty much done as far as them just being the team to beat. I'm not saying they won't compete for championships again with Nick Saban, because I think they will. He's still Nick Saban. He's still going to have great players. But the total domination of the SEC and the SEC West, I think we've seen that has got to be done at this point. Uh, And I think it's because of the transfer portal. NIL, I mean, it's leveled the playing field a lot. And it's great for college football. You need some parity. It gets boring seeing – Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, and then and now Georgia uh, in the top four every year. Or maybe one other team sneaks in there like Cincinnati or Michigan or Notre Dame, and they get blown out in this boring semifinal game that nobody nobody wants to see. The expanded playoff coming, NIL stuff, we're seeing a lot more parity. Hopefully, Georgia doesn't get to that kind of niche-saving Alabama level. I mean, from like 2015 to 2020, Alabama lost six total games, uh, I believe. He's. Lo- they've lost four games in the past 13 months. Yeah. And it's- you almost lost to Brian Harson. You lost the first time to Jimbo Fisher, first time to Kirby Smart. You've lost to Josh Heupel, who was in his second year, and then Brian Kelly, who's in his first year in the SEC. I mean, that's not something Nick Saban does. So I feel comfortable yeah. saying that, like, the dynasty's over. They're still a great program. They're still elite, but they're just not going to be the Alabama that we've seen the last 10 years.
0: You, you even wrote that today on
1: esports.com. You you wrote an article about how the
0: dynasty is over. Um, uh, I'll leave that prediction to you Uh, because Alabama still does have the number one recruiting class in America for
1: 2023. So yeah, it's have, not that it's I gonna think that they're going to fade and suddenly be like a 10 to 15 team, top 10, top 15 team, and that's it every year. I just don't think we're going to see this wire-to-wire domination that we've seen in previous No, No,
0: I, I do agree with that. But I... What was interesting in in hindsight about how we talked about this Georgia game leading in? I I I took a bunch of heat from Tennessee fans in our comments. I guess we both did. We both did this. We both chose Georgia to beat Tennessee. I I just thought that the home field advantage would would take it over the top. That 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 was my. Um, you know, and people were like, oh, you're just, you don't believe in this team. And I, j- I just thought Georgia was a really good team and, a, and it's a tough environment. And I, you know, that's just how I felt. Uh, turns out the environment actually was even way more than even I thought. Tennessee wasn't as competitive in that game as I thought they were going to be. I said it was going to be a three point win for Georgia. And here we are. But uh, the thing that I factored into that where I said this is going to be a really close game was the. Uh, the schedule for Georgia leading up, they had kind of gotten played close by played close by Kent state. Kent state scored 22 points on him. It was just kind of a weird game. And then at Missouri, which is just a soul sucking place to play where nobody wants to watch football in Missouri, much less Missouri fans. Um, You know, there were some games like that. And I think what the truth is of what Georgia did leading up to this is that they were sleepwalking. They just, they hadn't faced a team that they even respected yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like that's and I think they respected Tennessee, and that's how good Georgia can be. That's what happened this week: is that Georgia was just bleary eyed, kind of just, eh, you know, they they I guess, the, and they they respected Oregon. They smashed Oregon's head in um, in in Lanning's first game, and and you know, the the two teams that they played that were real opponents, they killed them, and and that's that that is my assessment walking away. That said. I want to see this game again because of what I said. I I rewatched the game. Tennessee had its moments. They had its chances. They whiffed on them And, and on plays that Hinden hookers made all year. Hooker to Hyatt and some things like that. Hooker to brew McCoy like they, and they just whiffed on them. And there's some stuff like that where I think on a, on a neutral field, it would still on a neutral field. It would still take Tennessee's best game of the year to beat this Georgia team. But it is there. I think like there, there is a, A gear for this offense where it gives Georgia a game and has a chance to win at the end of the game. It's absolutely there. I'm not, you know, dispirited to where all, well, there's, even if Tennessee played them again in the playoff, it's, there's no chance. I think there's absolutely a chance. It's a new day. It's tough to beat any team twice in a season. Look at Georgia and Alabama last year. Alabama gives Georgia the business in the SEC championship game, and then Georgia wins in the national championship. It's tough to beat anybody twice. Mm -hmm. so i i want him again i bring it in the playoff and maybe this can kind of transition us into the playoff talk here
1: well this is a great comment from antonio and it's it's something this is the way i felt too i mean it was tennessee at their worst exactly this exactly Uh, antonio says i totally agree they got they got our worst and we got their best let's try again it really was tennessee at their worst that we've seen them this year under hypo and georgia at their best besides maybe that oregon game which is a a less competitive game than this Tennessee game to be honest if if, if we're being Way truthful less. there <laughs> but it, yeah it was Georgia at their best and uh it, it was the best environment we've seen in Athens in maybe forever it was the biggest game that Athens has hosted so that's like no, sub- yeah i mean and and you kind of mentioned it you know they were sleepwalking and that's something that Alabama kind of had trouble with when they were so elite under Nick Saban for all those years was they play an opponent that's not that great, and and they still win by a lot, but it's like, okay, it took Alabama a little bit to get going there. You see fans leaving late at at Bryant-Denny Stadium because they're out by so much. I think everybody becomes complacent when you have that kind of success, and it's really – I mean, even Tennessee against UT Martin that first few minutes of that game, we kind of saw the same thing. When you come off of these – big wins it's hard to get up for games like that so this was the game that, that really had georgia's attention it was the biggest game on their schedule this year that in itself is a testament to what josh Heupel has done the fact that georgia was up this much for a team that that really hasn't played them close in the last five years really shows how far the program's come and, and i don't think we can stress that enough they go 11 and 1 nobody's complaining about that loss to georgia it sucks it's, it didn't go how anybody wanted it to go on the Tennessee side of things. Y- you wish it the outcome would have been different, but this has still been a magical season. They still have a lot to play for, and they got to get locked in for these next three games. And if they do that, and everything kind of falls as we we're going to talk about here. They still have a chance to play for a national championship, and, and nobody could have predicted that.
0: Yeah. Well, let's use that as a springboard to get to this playoff talk. A lot of people have been saying it in the comments. Uh, already the playoff is still there for Tennessee. So Tennessee loses this game and we're, you know, we're discouraged and it sucked. But then Notre Dame smashed Clemson and God bless them. Touchdown. Jesus bless them. <laughs> God, thank you. Notre Dame. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. They, they beat Clemson's head in. I mean, what was it? 35 to 14 or something. Just an embarrassment from Clemson. So they are effectively eliminated. There's not really a path for them because it's—I mean, the ACC is garbage this year, it's just complete garbage. They're not going to have a big enough game to redeem themselves. Even they might anything.
1: lose another game anyway.
0: Exactly. I don't think they're very good. Their offense is absolutely horrendous. Uh, DJ Uyungalale is not—he ain't the dude. He got replaced again by the freshman kid. I mean, they're just—they're a—they're terrible. So thank you, Notre Dame. We, we thank you. America thanks you. Um, but then LSU beats Alabama. And it sets up LSU and Georgia in the SEC championship, even though, again, I'll say it again, the divisions are dumb, and it should be Tennessee and Georgia in the SEC championship game, but whatever. Um, so it, it sets up LSU and, and Georgia in the SEC championship game. And it's. I think Georgia has a very good chance to to beat LSU, Nothing about either of those games gave me any confidence that LSU is really going to push Georgia in that game. I mean, some weird things can happen, but Georgia is absolutely the better team. Um, And then that leaves us with basically it may not be this simple, but I think if TCU loses at Texas and they are seven point underdog going to Texas, if that tells you anything about what, you know, odds makers and kind of the perception of TCU is at this point. If they lose at Texas and Tennessee wins out, and they're going to be heavy favorites in all three of their remaining games, it almost seems like it's it's there for Tennessee. I, I think it would in the most simple scenario, it would be Georgia one, winner of Ohio State, Michigan two, probably Pac 12 champion three, maybe, or Tennessee three, and then Tennessee Pac 12 champion at four. One of those um, seems like the most likely outcome. The the prediction, the sort of prediction machines put it. I saw ESPN had a sixty five percent chance for Tennessee to still make the playoff. I mean, it's right there for him. I I don't know. We weird stuff happens yeah. every year in college football. Don't discount anything, but that seems very likely.
1: It' you're gonna look a lot tomorrow night. That's you. Really, scenario Tennessee needs to happen because wherever the committee puts TCU in Tennessee tomorrow night is kind of what, what's going to determine the rest of the year and, and the path that Tennessee has to take. If they put Tennessee above TCU, then you're feeling pretty good about Tennessee's chances no matter what. If they're in that top four this week, they've got three games, if they can blow out Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt, you feel pretty good about their chances. Uh, so that, that's a that's a big factor there. And they put Alabama, a one-loss Alabama above TCU. So you would think by that logic that Tennessee should be above TCU this week. But we don't know. That loss is fresh. Sometimes that impacts the way that they, that they, you know, rank these teams. And, and Oregon's loss was all, to Georgia was all the way back in week one. I, I, I feel good about Tennessee's chances. The worst thing that can happen is if TCU doesn't lose and – georgia loses the sec championship game if they lose to lsu yeah. a two loss lsu sec champion will the probably jump will probably jump tennessee i don't like it Ugh. i don't think that should be the case i i, I will be angry i will think it, it's a bunch of bs if if, if a team if a one loss tennessee team with a win over lsu at lsu doesn't get in and lsu does that would be I think all Tennessee fans would be, uh, it would be like Shiano Sunday all over again <laughs> if that happens. But that is a scenario that could happen. And no. uh, uh, Ole Miss, if if Ole Miss somehow sneaks into the SEC championship game, they have one loss. They would have to win out, and LSU would have to lose to Arkansas, I believe, for that scenario to happen. They get in and they beat Georgia again. Long shot. Don't think that'll happen. But they're definitely getting in over Tennessee at that point if they win the SEC with one loss. So those are. Those are disaster scenarios for Tennessee. Yeah, the TCU staying undefeated is concerning. Oregon with one loss is concerning. You would like to see them lose to Washington or Utah, somebody to go ahead and get them an extra loss where you don't have to worry about it as much. I don't think except one.
0: You in that scenario, you still have USC as a that's true because they and UCLA that doesn't solve everything.
1: Yeah. That is true. Like, they're, they're both going to play each other, and one of them is going to have another loss, but that is still another team that, that could sneak in there. So that I is... Mean, if, if you wanted well. it to be... If you wanted it to be wrapped up in
0: the nicest bow possible, where I also think the playoff is the most competitive it could be, this is what I think would need to happen. Oregon loses to Utah, and then I, I'd have... I think this is what would happen. USC and Oregon play in the Pac-12 championship game. And then Oregon beats USC. So there's no one-loss team from the Pac-12 at that point. Well, it would still be UCLA. Although UCLA and USC still have to play. So there would be be no one-loss Pac-12 team at that point. And then the top four is Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan. I think that's the most competitive the playoff could be. I think that is the best the playoff could be this season just in terms of the best teams in America from what we've seen so far from the resume that we've seen. uh, Well, and TCU loses also that my assumption is TCU loses also in that. And then that's the top four um, because I, I just think that, I mean, those are the four best teams in America from what we've seen thus far. I, I I think anybody would have a hard time arguing that. And then Ohio state, Ohio state, Tennessee in in the semifinal will be an incredible game. And Mm -hmm. I think, Tennessee fans and Ohio State fans would love to see that. That would likely <laughs> it, be
1: at the Fiesta Bowl as well. If it they would. got into the three seed, that would be the two yeah. three game. So that would be you know a nice little storyline there, a little return to Arizona.
0: It would be. Um,
1: what do you think about? And this was what I was going to mention before we started talking about the Pac twelve. Do you think a one loss Big Ten team is a is an issue? The loser, of the Michigan Ohio State game. Do you think they're an issue at all? I don't think they are. I don't think they should be. But again. And if people think that we're we're advocating for a one loss Big Big Ten team or a one loss Pac twelve team or any of this to get in over Tennessee, we're not. We're trying to figure out how the committee will view it. And, yeah, and and that that's a wild card because you really don't know. Like I said, this week will teach us a lot. The second well, week of the rankings, but we don't know.
0: I this week will say a lot. Does TCU hop? anybody is this Tennessee four or five, I, that will be telling, but just judging from week one, the committee does not respect almost anybody, but the sec, it does seem <laughs> the, that way. The committee, they, and it's kind of been that way for years now, but they really respected Tennessee's resume, put him in number one. They're obviously really going to respect Georgia's resume here. They're going to be number one in this next poll. I think they'll respect Ohio state. Clearly they do. That was evident in the first poll, even though
1: they barely beat Northwestern. And, yeah we're not just horrendous it yeah
0: it was i know big ten jeff in the comments you're gonna want to say it was a windstorm okay you still have did to be the
1: wind did the wind not blow in northwestern had the ball was it exactly it or something
0: i i didn't realize that northwestern didn't play in a you know in a monsoon there um anywho but uh, you know, they they really respect the SEC. Second to the SEC, they really respect the Big Ten. They, they basically just kicked the Big 12 in the nuts, and they just kind of
1: put a middle finger up to them, and the Pac-12, too. I mean, they just were like, we don't care about you guys. Nobody. Well, that's the thing. If, if TCU gets in, they're going to get blown out by Ohio yeah. State or Georgia. I mean, we all know that, right? I mean, TCU has... I
0: understand why their fans are mad, and, you know, we've seen it all week you want dude you were down for the bulk of the game against Texas Tech this weekend come on you had to come back against four and four Texas Tech let's be real here there's there's a reason why you were a seven point underdog to Texas who is what ranked 20 20th or something I mean and and you're nine and oh, and they're the favorite coming into the game there's a reason for that they don't respect you and they shouldn't you haven't given them a real reason to. Uh also I think their top receiver is out. At least
1: they were against the guy was against Texas Tech. Um, and so you know, I this just this is uh, why like I'm so excited about the 12 team playoff when it does start because if yes. there's no the against it, like oh you don't you just gonna have more blowouts, and and I don't there will be, obviously there will be some blowouts, of course. But if there's if we're starting to see more and more parity over the last year or two outside of maybe Georgia where you can see a number eight seed beat a number two seed or something, and it wouldn't be that shocking. And you don't have these decisions that are so painful to make because a good team might is probably going to get left out of the playoff that maybe could make some noise. Like we don't know you go to 12 teams. I'm not that upset about the number 13 team in the country being left out of the playoff. That that's not that concerning as, than a number five team being left out. So that to me, that that's why I've always been for the expanded playoff.
0: All I completely agree. All I know is that when all of this shakes out, I just don't want to feel screwed. If yeah. TCU wins out in impressive fashion, they win the big 12 championship. I'll be like, look, fine. You know, you did it. And, and that's, that. and then we would be mad all over again when they get blown out. Exactly. I mean, we'll still be pissed when that happens. But at least I would be like, yeah, you went undefeated and you won the Big 12. Fine. Fine. But if it's something like, you know, everybody has one loss in that scenario and they choose a one-loss TCU over Tennessee, you know, something like that, where for years we're like, remember when we got screwed in the playoff that year? Just don't let it be that. Ugh! like anything th- but that.
1: Please if care. Alabama if Alabama stays in the top 10, if LSU stays in the top 10, if Kentucky can finish out strong and get back into the into the top 25, that makes Tennessee's resume look really good. I mean, Georgia has two wins over top 10 teams, so does Tennessee. I think those are the only two teams that have multiple wins over top 10 teams. I think that's going to weigh pretty heavy with the committee. I think they value that a lot. So as long as Alabama stays – kind of you need Alabama to beat Ole Miss. You need LSU to win out and then just lose to Georgia in the SEC championship. That alone might be enough to do it as long as Tennessee, of course, takes care of business and we will get into Missouri, and and that's going to be a tougher game, I think, than, than people have really considered. still a game that should win. Um, but if, if you can do that, if those things can go your way, I think Tennessee's in a really good shape, and they might not need the help that we're talking about, but you still feel a lot better if you have that help
0: yes exactly so it just kind of play itself out and and where you start is you got to win your remaining three games and that's uh, you know the thing for Tennessee we can we can bloviate all day long about all the different scenarios and and I want to say something here I've just noticed in the comments there's a few Georgia fans watching and they think that they're being real cute and weighing in I first of all I gave Georgia plenty of credit they came with a good game plan and, and they beat Tennessee. Uh, oh yeah! All know, credit to Kirby. For
1: great, great plan.
0: But to to the Georgia fans watching, you're giving me money, man. So thanks for watching. You know, <laughs> me me and Zach both work for this. You know, and it's it's how we get paid. So I appreciate the view. You know, <laughs> that's
1: and we. I mean, look, <laughs> I've, I've I've seen a lot of Tennessee fans have a lot of respect for Georgia and a lot more respect for Kirby Smart than they did. Yeah, I've been a guy that has talked about kirby making mistakes in game in game management and is he really that good of a coach or is it just the talent like no kirby's kirby's legit like i i have a ton of respect for him i have a ton of respect for the way that he handled the media the way that he handled talking about tennessee even after beating tennessee he's still very just complimentary of their physicality and the way that they run the ball and the way that they operate not like some of the other coaches that you've heard this season so yeah, yeah, there's going to be Tennessee fans that, that talk smack to Georgia fans and, and this and that, just like with every fan base. But I think for the most part, Tennessee fans have a lot of respect for the program, what they've done, and what they are doing, and, and that's where Tennessee wants to be. They want to be that dominant, and, and nobody's denying that Georgia is.
0: The thing that I continue to just be happy about is that Georgia stinks at everything else. You know, Their basketball team is a trash fire. They're not good at baseball you know, at least if, if they can best us in football, you know, we got past Alabama, got over that hump and everything, you know, that, that was great. we we turned the page on that. If we still can't get you in football, at least we still have the others. But like, like dude, think about this. If Tennessee can get, you know, Georgia by the short hairs of football, we beat you at everything else too. So, you know, we're coming for you. Well, And we'll, we'll beat you in basketball and football and baseball, women's basketball and everything else too. So you, you, you do still have this over on us, but we're, you know, we're coming. Um, so, uh,
1: going from there, let do what I say, uh, Missouri. Is that what we're, uh, let's do talk about, uh, the Missouri tigers. They're
0: coming to Nealon stadium. And I'll start off by saying this. Thank God this game's in Nealon stadium. Uh, you know, Ten- Tennessee coming off of that game. Um, well, well, let's let's start here. And actually, I'm glad Antonio says this right here. Vols basketball starts strong today. Let's just mention quickly, Tennessee basketball starts today. This being Monday. A lot of people watch this after the fact. Um, but Tennessee basketball starts today. And folks, I am super excited because uh, this basketball team is going to be good. They, this team is deep. This team is talented. This team has awesome senior leadership. And I am very, very excited about this basketball season. There's not much to talk about in terms of today, but the the second game of the season is this coming weekend and it's against Colorado and it's not going to be a total pushover. I think Tennessee will be a pretty decent favorite in that one, but still, um, I'm, I'm hyped. Tennessee in the charity game against Gonzaga. They beat Gonzaga by 20 in a a charity game. Josiah Jordan James wasn't even playing in. So your best player wasn't even playing in that game. And you beat Gonzaga by 20. Um, I'm just very, very excited. And I'm a big, I'm a huge basketball guy. Also, full disclosure to anyone that hasn't, that just started listening to the show. Um, Oh, and Brittany says here, this is another great point. The Lady Vols, this is a big game. That's a big one. they play at Ohio State tomorrow, um, and so fun all around. I I like the look of Lady Valls basketball team. Uh, also, I, I think they they should uh, be in for a good season. Hopefully, uh, it, I, I want the thing that I want for Lady Valls is they they gotta get further in the tournament. They gotta win an SEC championship game again. They're um, it seems like they're right on the cusp of getting back to that place. Um, so, Kelly, please, Kelly Harper, please take us there this season. I think the potential is certainly there. Um And well, so, before, both teams are uh, very
1: excited. Before we move on to Missouri, I was going to ask you this, but, but Thomas commented it as well. Can Tennessee finally make their first Final Four in Houston this season? And, and my question to you is going to be kind of in that vein, what is your baseline for a successful season this year before the season starts. And we'll come revisit this in, in March or or maybe April. What is your baseline here for, uh, for what, what do you expect? What will be success and what will leave Charlie very unhappy? It depends on how we look in this initial, uh,
0: this initial run of non-conference games. If we're super dominant here, and I mean, we're playing, some, some pretty serious games, uh, in, in a non-conference. Uh, I think I, my it's final four. I mean, I, that's, that's what it's going to be. Cause it's just, that's you won the sec championship game last year. If you're super dominant in non-con, and then you go into the sec and you start steamrolling teams. I mean, it's final four. That's what it should be. That's what it was last year. You won the sec championship. The standard should be a final four. So I, not to saddle them with that. And I got to see the team really play and play real games and make sure that they're as good as it feels like they're going to be. But that's, that's where, that's the standard that Barnes has kind of set. And I, I want to talk about just this real, just cause this will take two seconds. Tom Reed says, is that a picture of Joe Biden behind me? <laughs> uh, no, it is not Joe Biden. Um, it is the greatest announcer in uh, college football history. The, the beautiful uncle Vern, Vern Lundquist. Um, I I love Vern. He is the greatest, um, and I I've met him. And actually, on this other side, you can't even see. Can I? There's a, a picture of me and him on this other side. Me and Vern uh, on the other side. He's. I just I love Vern, and that's. Um, this is a joke from one of the original shows I hosted. Wave like seven eight years ago. Um, we had uh, this silly picture of Vern Lundquist with a football helmet chin strap he's like trying it on and we thought it was funny. So he put it behind us. That's, you know, there it is. Um, so there, there's that. It's not Joe Biden. It's sweet uncle Vern. Now to the Missouri game. Uh, you already said this isn't going to be some super cakewalk. I tend to agree. Thankfully it is in Nealon stadium. Mm
1: -hmm. That's huge
0: yeah uh to me just right off the top Missouri just can't score I, I think Tennessee could have a bad game here I don't think they're going to but I think they could and still win and so that's good but here's the thing we already talked about playoff chances you gotta you gotta put up fireworks and I think for for Hinden's Heisman chances you gotta put up fireworks like this is the time to restart the engine. And if you can, you need to beat these boys by like 50. <laughs> so will that be possible uh, to use that? Can Tennessee hang that kind of performance on on
1: Missouri here? So I think this game's really interesting to me because Missouri is what? Four and, four and five. You look at that record and you think, okay, you beat them by what? 30 some points. Like It was a blowout last year. I think Tennessee put up 60 some points. But it's not the same Missouri team. They have a much better defensive coordinator, Blake Baker's there, that's been at LSU in Miami. He, he's he got it. He's got the guys believing. They bring pressure. They play aggressive. That's work for him. They get in the backfield. They disrupt the offense, and that's exactly the way to beat Tennessee. I mean, we talked about it last week, that you had to protect Hinton Hooker or Georgia would win. They weren't able to do that necessarily, and, and that's the bigger, biggest reason why Georgia was able to win. They just dominated the line of scrimmage. Missouri obviously doesn't have the same dudes as Georgia, but they're going to try to dial up stuff to get to Hooker and and to kind of follow that same game plan. I, I don't necessarily think it's going to work as effectively as Georgia because they don't have the talent. But if, if if Hendon Hooker's off again, if he doesn't play as elite as we saw him the first few eight games of the year and he plays more like he did against Georgia, because like you mentioned, there was plays there for Tennessee against Georgia. It wasn't that they just shut everything down. Tennessee just missed a couple of plays that could have got them in the game. If they miss those against Missouri, this game could get ugly. It's not a game I think Tennessee loses, and and I think they could win convincingly. And, you know, when I get to my prediction, we'll we'll see where that's at. But this is a game that you you can't look past. It's a noon game. You're coming off this emotional game against Georgia where things didn't go your way. How do you respond? We're going to learn a ton about this team this week and their leadership and the way that they come out there and play. We're going to know if they're for real or not with this game. If they come out and struggle, you can maybe, you know, okay, the playoff might not be happening because you can't beat Missouri by three and South Carolina by three and Vanderbilt by ten and expect to make a statement that way. So I'm really interested to see how they respond. But you're right, Missouri can't necessarily put up the points to, to score with a Tennessee offense when it's clicking on all cylinders. You talked about Hendon Hooker with the Heisman. I'm not going to say that that died against Georgia. It was one not great game. I mean, he did, he threw for, what, 200 yards or, or maybe a little less, didn't throw for a touchdown. That's not good. You need to pad those stats as much as possible these last three games. If, if he can go over 350 yards in each of these three games against Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt, throw four touchdowns in each game. I mean, you got to go out and have some of the best games of the season, really pad those stats, and then that's the lasting image of Hendon Hooker this season. It's not that Georgia game. It's these last three weeks. It's the performance against Alabama. It's the LSU game. That's what everybody's going to remember. And that Georgia game becomes a footnote. But if you, if you struggle a little bit in in these last three games, I don't think Hendon Hooker is going to be in the stage in New York. And, Ultimately, of course, you want to see Hendon Hooker win the Heisman. I mean, that would be massive for Tennessee. I think everybody wants that. But simply getting on that stage and being at that ceremony and having Tennessee represented and having Josh Heupel there with him and whoever else they bring along, maybe the quarterback's coach, Joey Hosley, whoever's there with him, you gonna get all that exposure. That's massive for recruiting. I mean, you really need that to happen. So it is important. Championship, playoff, all that's more important. But Hendon Hooker getting to New York on that stage is pretty important, I think. Could not agree more. Uh, I want him to,
0: at a minimum, to just be there in that set of finalists. I think he can be. It's got to be gaudy in these final three games. I think specifically the one I look at, he, you know, 350 on the ground against Missouri. That's that's a good start, something like that. But then against South Carolina, if you could, like, South Carolina's defense is just not particularly good. Um, just looking at it there. Uh let's see total total defense i mean there's seven total defense in the sec on the road just lay it on them. cuz i i don't think anybody's going to respect big numbers against vandy cuz vandy you still i still got to do it though you you do you absolutely have to do it but i think people will look at a night game at south carolina and you threw for 400 yards you know and that's mm-hmm. that's one where you could make up some ground and just just get to be a finalist, and maybe C.J. Stroud just you know blows a tire and and you know sputters out. I think Caleb Williams at USC is kind of making a push, but the, the competition isn't incredibly stiff as far as the the Heisman goes, and so I, I think he can still get himself to to that finalist spot and maybe win if things fall right. Um, but it's yeah, he definitely made it harder on, on
1: himself. He needed a big game against Georgia, and he didn't deliver at all. Um, but as for this Biddy, Missouri, game, Biddy, Missouri, I mean, that that's the ultimate thing this week. Yes. A, as for this Missouri know. game, to me, the difference is this
0: Hinton hooker was given his press conference today. And he said something effective. I, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he was like, before that Georgia game was even over, he was going over to his teammates being like, all right, how we doing? Let's, you know, heads up. We're, pushing forward, and then he he said that he was already in in the facility today, encouraging guys. Um, and that's the attitude you need. So I love that, and that's coming from your your top dog. That's that's the dude that is leading this team. It's where the a huge amount of the athlete leadership comes from on this squad, and his head is in the right spot. It yeah, is also it's figured. it's it's
1: almost it's almost a version of Tim Tebow after that old Miss game in two thousand eight. Right, I yes. mean, it's not the same visual. Hindenhooker Hooker has his own style, but it's him rallying his guys in that same way. Exactly. Um. So le- the the leadership
0: on the team, their heads in the right space. Uh, it's Senior Day inside Nealon Stadium. I think fans are really, really going to show out. I believe it's sold out already. Um. So I think fans are really going to show out, despite it being a noon start. I think it's going to be raucous in there. Um. And Missouri, <laughs> let's just look at this. So Missouri's defense is statistically, is purely statistical. You can get into the minutiae of it, but purely statistical, they are almost identical to Kentucky. Um, they have a slightly better yards per play than Kentucky defensively. Uh, let's see, for, for Kentucky, they give up 5 0.09 yards per play and missouri gives up 4.83 yards per play so you know that's that's that it's very close statistically to kentucky and you laid 44 points on kentucky um but offensively for missouri <laughs> this is where to me this is the game let's look at total offense here missouri is 13th in the sec Uh, out of 14 teams the only team that is worse than them uh, is Kentucky actually Um, for total offense 350 yards a game and then for scoring offense I believe it is even worse they are 13th out of 14 teams 23.1 points per game if if Missouri hits the upper end of their scoring per game 23 points that's nah, not going to do it against Tennessee. It's just like Tennessee can have a bad game. 23 points ain't going to cut it. Especially you, you would hope coming off of this disappointing Georgia game. Leadership's head is in the right place for this team. I, I think Josh Heupel is going to be recentered a little bit. Senior day. Uh, I think Tennessee's going to come in pissed off at this game. And I, I just, I just think it's going to be a long day for Missouri in this one. It just—that's the feeling that I just get. I know, I know Tennessee fans are a little squirrely because eleven and one is on the line, and we, we want them to win out. I I just think that this team's mentality is still good, mm-hmm. and and they're still uh, in the correct headspace, and so I just think you know uh, it just it's it's uh it's set up well for Tennessee to lay a 50 spot
1: on missouri here
0: i i don't know if it'll
1: be like that but it could be if missouri's not careful it really does come down to how this team responds because like you said missouri's offense i mean they scored 17 points against vanderbilt that's that's Mm. not typically what you think is vanderbilt
0: the worst defense in the sec way,
1: so i agree with you that they're probably not gonna be able to put up enough points to beat tennessee it comes down to the mindset of this team i think it's gonna be in a good place my gut says it will be. I think Hendon Hooker is an incredible leader. I think what he means to Tennessee. I don't. I don't think fans even, and us. I don't think anybody really understands just how special of a person and a player he really is. I mean, he is not just a guy that's out there throwing the ball around and is a system quarterback. He is a. He's a smart kid that that plays the game the right way and lifts his teammates up. and And I think he's going to have these guys in the right headspace. They have great team leadership in general. I mean, you heard. Latrell Bump is today saying similar things. They're not overlooking Missouri. They know what's on the line, and they know that to get to where they want to go, this is the most important game that they're going to play because it's cliche, but it's the next one. So I think they'll be in the right headspace. You still have that concern of it just being that noon game. Do they have enough juice? Do they come out and they start early? You don't want to let Missouri hang around and feel like they have a chance in this game. I mean, you want to go out there and play like they did against LSU and Kentucky and put this game away early. You, you just cannot let them hang around and then you're playing from behind playing catch up and, and playing Missouri's game more than your own game because look the Georgia game is the only game this year that Tennessee did not dictate how the game was played it's the first time that the opponent has dictated kind of how the game was played Georgia was able to control time of possession they were able to to limit Tennessee's possessions and they were able to do some things that that Tennessee wanted to do and they were able to get Tennessee out of rhythm and behind the chains and all this stuff that we haven't seen from Tennessee this year. So you don't want to, you don't want to go back to any of that. Uh, you want to clean all that stuff up and get away from the penalties, which I don't think will be an issue because you don't have the crowd noise like you did at Sanford. That was obviously the biggest factor down there in Athens. If you can clean all that up, if Hendon comes out accurate, uh, I think I think they'll be able to put it away pretty early.
0: Is this a South Carolina fan in our comments right here? It said Spencer Radler is going to give the ball secondary fits. Bro, have you watched Spencer Radler play? <laughs> is it, what's his, his uh record at this point?
1: Like six touchdowns, eight interceptions, or something. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think I mean that's it. I mean, look, that's gonna be a good environment. And I hopefully we do not have former Tennessee players or national media coming out and talking about the environment at Williams Bryce because Honestly, it's just kind of old trying to compare what environment is the best and which environment's the most electric. I mean, what you saw at Neyland for Alabama and, and Kentucky was incredible. That is an elite college football atmosphere, but the atmosphere that South Carolina had a couple of weeks ago for I can't remember who they were playing. Uh, the Texas a and I believe, was the night game that they hosted. I mean, that's a great atmosphere down there. There's a really great atmosphere. I mean, every SEC program outside of vanderbilt and missouri has the opportunity i mean they can have great atmospheres and they do routinely so any place on the roads is, is a challenging place to play in the sec
0: yeah um i mean we can be as generous
1: as we want to i think if if south carolina gets oh waxed, no i don't think i don't think they really stand a good chance to beat tennessee but you still yeah yeah you know.
0: well to on on the point of just the crowd i think if south carolina gets waxed by florida this weekend. I'm not sure that crowd's going to be too hyped. I, Cause they, they were pretty discontented with South Carolina losing to Missouri and it was at South Carolina and just an embarrassing game all the way around. Radler was terrible. Um, I think if they get blasted by Florida, like they might, um, I think it could, there's gonna be some unhappy South Carolina fans that are not going to want to spend money to go all the way, you know, down to that game and do the whole thing. So, just a theory there on my end. But going back to the Missouri game, uh, yeah, to me, this is a bad matchup for Missouri. They can't score the ball, uh, even if their defense is a little stingy. And I think even Kentucky was a little stingy. They, they got a few stops against Tennessee, mm-hmm. and Tennessee still put 44 up on them. I mean, it just is this, this offense, when you don't have superior athletes like Georgia does, where just you've got, you have the dudes that can big time Tennessee like that and and blow up the trenches, you know, Georgia won that game in the trenches on both sides. Like Missouri's not, I just I don't think Missouri is going to do that. They just don't have the guys. Tennessee has the superior talent, the definitely the superior coach in this scenario, the superior scheme, the superior well, they're playing at home, the you know, they have the home advantage in this one. It just feels lopsided to me. Um and I think Tennessee obviously has the motivation now since the playoff is still a very real possibility. Um they have the motivation now to to lay it pretty thick on Missouri here. So let's predict this game, Zach. Um, I think we both think Tennessee has a pretty good shot uh, to to wipe Missouri off the map here. but do you for your score prediction, do you agree with our the assessment we've already made?
1: Yeah, I don't think that there, even if Missouri has a really good game plan, I don't think there's another defense in the country that can do what Georgia did to Tennessee. Well, obviously not. I mean, Georgia has the best defense in the country. I don't think there's any debate about that. We can quit talking about all the dudes that went to the NFL because all the dudes they have now are also going to go to the NFL and be high draft pitch. So they've got plenty of talent and Missouri doesn't. So even if they have a good game plan, it's comparable to that Kentucky game. I do wonder how Tennessee's defense responds and how they play this week because Tennessee's defense had just kind of started playing better in that Kentucky game. And then they played well in the second half against Georgia, but Georgia's trying to eat clock. There's not as many possessions. That's one of the things that that impacts Tennessee's defense is the other team gets so many possessions. Georgia didn't want to do that. So I wonder how they respond this week against Missouri. I think it's a – pretty significant win for tennessee i've got them winning 41 to 20 i think missouri will will hit some things score some points tennessee so they had some uh, some of those plays against georgia were a combination of georgia having good play calls and good players and tennessee also busting some coverages i mean you saw Jalen mccullough kind of get turned around Danico slaughter got turned around i think on one of those plays so they they weren't it wasn't like keely ringo on on uh, I think Tillman on that interception where it's was just amazing coverage and their guy beat Tennessee's guy. A couple of those plays were were not good coverage by some of Tennessee's defensive backs. And, and that could be an issue against Missouri. So I think they'll score some points, but 41-20 Tennessee.
0: I like it. Uh, and to anybody that's watching here, almost 200 people in here with us, we appreciate each and every one of you, even the Georgia fans that are hanging out and uh, pissing off Tennessee fans in the comments. Um, <laughs> it's the
1: way college football is supposed to be.
0: It is. It's just fun. All in fun. And if you're not being fun, I will block you. Don't worry. Uh, but uh, just leave, if you want to leave your score prediction in the comments, go ahead and do that. I'll read them. A few people already have, and I'm, I'm going to read them out after I give my prediction. Um, but thanks to everybody for watching. We've already said this. That the scales are very much tipped in Tennessee's uh, favor. Well, Spencer... Yeah, Spencer here even says exactly that. That's kind of funny. Uh, I didn't see that comment, and then I noticed <laughs> it literally says all scales tip towards the balls against Missouri. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it just really is in Tennessee's favor here. I think Hooker gets back on back on the horse here, uh, and and has a good game in his senior game. Um, I think this refocuses this team a little bit. At, at a minimum, I just I hope it does, but I I think it will. Because you we can say it as much as we want to. You know, Tennessee has done a great job blocking blocking out the noise, either either blocking out the noise or embracing the noise. They've they've done a really good job of just like, hey, we're getting all this hype. Isn't this awesome? Rather than, hey, we're getting all this hype, we're feeling ourselves. I I think even still, Tennessee is feeling themselves a little bit and they had they just had a very humbling experience. Is what it is. You you just uh, you kind of got your teeth kicked in by Georgia, unfortunately. And so I think this recenters them a little bit. I think they come in angry. I think they come in ready. Uh, and and they're I definitely I don't think that they're going to lose on on their uh, last game in Neyland Stadium for for the seniors and the last game in Neyland Stadium for the season. I think they know that they have to get style points to make it to the college football playoff. Um, they again they can say they block out the noise. They see it all. They know the deal.
1: Oh, and, and they've been and, open
0: about that. And, and exactly. And that's that's one of those things where. You you can embrace the noise rather than trying to block it out. You just say, Yeah, we do have to do that. So let's just go out and do it. I think they're gonna have that mentality. And it's just it it's advantages all over the place for uh for Tennessee here. And I think just it's specifically the motivation, just you know, Missouri <laughs> I see people they were like, Well, Missouri wants to avenge that sixty three points that Tennessee put on them last year. Well, I'm sure LSU wanted to beat Tennessee too, but Tennessee won 40 to 13. So you know, there's a lot of people have wanted to do a lot of things well, against Tennessee Kentucky.
1: Kentucky badly wanted to avenge lost oh, loss from last season.
0: Yes, K- Kentucky wanted it so bad, and Tennessee beat them by 40. So you can want a lot of things against Tennessee, but I I think they're going to come and pissed off, and I think they're they're going to wax Missouri. I'm I'm going to say, uh. T- 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 38 to 10 a 28 point win uh, I do think Missouri Missouri mucks it up a little bit and and they they hold Tennessee to 38 points I mean it's still a, a relative to most teams in college football a big point output um but I'll say I'll say 38 to 10 and Missouri just can't you know they just can't produce and um so let's look at some of these predictions John says 56 to 21 uh, you give Missouri a little bit more credit than I did, John.
1: Um, I mean look, we've undersold Tennessee on several of their wins this year so that's certainly possible. exactly I I think I think the the defense I said it the defense, they kind of got
0: theirs in that Georgia game at certain points they they had timely stops and they did they still did a good job
1: against the run
0: uh in that game and 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 look
1: even I don't care if Georgia is just running the ball and not throwing it those are those offensive linemen are really good. They can push around and dominate the line of scrimmage. They're huge. They're elite. So even stopping Georgia's run is a good thing for Tennessee because that, that's a really physical team. I mean, you're not going to play a more physical team than Georgia. Jalen Hyatt kind of – I don't know if, if people noticed that. It kind of flew under the radar. But yeah. Jalen Hyatt said Georgia's way more physical than, than uh, Alabama.
0: They absolutely are, and and that was apparent in that LSU game later that night. Yeah. Too, but like M- Missouri, kind of their their defense is more predicated on on the run um, than than the pass. I I want to say I I looked at that, um, or at least they're better at running the ball than they are at passing the ball. If nothing else, um, they average around 150 yards a game, and I think that that plays into Tennessee's hands too. Um, so John John says 56 21. Brittany says 52 17 for Tennessee. Spencer says 48-17 Tennessee. Michael, 56-24 for the vols. Uh, Mr. Jones, 63 to 13. Total beatdown. I, I like that. Uh, the Corey, Corey says 55 14 vols. Rodney, who who I it seemed like is not a Tennessee fan. 41-28 vols. So appreciate it. Elias 38-14. Tyler 32-12. That's an interesting prediction. I I like that.
1: On um, uh, field goals for Missouri. There you go.
0: Yeah, I I like it. It's it's a weird game, but still a big win for Tennessee. And actually, a Georgia fan here from a Georgia fan, I got Tennessee beating Missouri forty-eight to seventeen. So respect for a Georgia fan in this one. Um, the oh, and last one, Larry says fifty-four to ten. And oh, last one, last one, John says sixty-two to thirteen. So everybody thinks Tennessee is going to blow out uh, Missouri. I uh, like this. Spencer says of that 32 points, uh, could be six safeties
1: more than two field goals. Uh, Tennessee's going to have some explaining to do if They give up six safeties, <laughs> even though they gave up on the Georgia and they got away with it. Somehow it, if anything in that play, you, you might've tried to say Hendon hookers arm was coming forward. And then that would have been a close call as well. I have no clue how they reviewed that and, and said it wasn't a safety, but good for, and actually not good for Tennessee, because Georgia, a touchdown on the very next pass when they after yeah. the punt, so it, it didn't really work out for Tennessee at all. I don't know what this comment is. Can y'all
0: talk about Georgia a bit? We did already. Go back, just go back and watch the the rest of the show. We talked about Georgia plenty. I've I've had enough of talking about Georgia, frankly. Uh Yeah, I never want to think about that game again, to be honest. Yeah, throw throw it out. I I watched it twice now. It's not fun, and I am done.
1: I no am fun. Through no thank you. That- How? How wild is it, before we go, that Tennessee, if things go to plan, will finish with one SEC loss, they will beat Florida, Alabama, LSU on the road, and not win the SEC East? Like, How often does that happen, where you've got an undefeated team in the SEC East and then just a one-loss team? That, you that's, know, that's easily
0: the most frustrating thing out of this entire season. But, you know, assuming Tennessee – finishes out goes 11 and one you you can lose but it's unlikely um the fact that tennessee is not going to make the sec championship game and i I go back to that i hate the divisions it's stupid tennessee should play georgia in the sec championship game because that's the two best teams in the sec this year if they both finish 12 and 11 and one um it's dumb 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 it's stupid uh and frankly just not fair and what it created was LSU won that game against Alabama. Tennessee fans were actually happy. And LSU fans who, let me remind you, LSU lost to Tennessee 40-13 in Baton Rouge. And LSU fans turned around and they were like, "Well, well, I'm making my plans to Atlanta. Sorry, Tennessee fans. We're going to the SEC Championship game. Shut up. How quickly do you forget the Tennessee whipped you up and down the field for an entire game in your home stadium. And then you beat Alabama and you beat Alabama and we are happy for you and happy for us in that scenario. And they turn around. I had multiple LSU fans being like, well, ha, 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 You lost to Georgia and we're going to the SEC championship game. Yeah, because of the rules of the SEC, Tennessee has a better record and beat you. It's that. It just, ugh. Why do you give them that talking point when it should be Tennessee playing in the SEC championship game? Instead, LSU is going.
1: Yeah, well, if they went out. This comment here, Daniels is probably going to have a long day on a December Saturday in Atlanta. They might, they uh, might regret asking for that matchup with Georgia because if they watch that Tennessee game, they they might not feel oh, quite as confident. Look, we got one right here. Tennessee is home watching the SEC championship
0: game? You mad? I'm mad that that's the rules of the SEC. 42-13. Check that scoreboard, my man. And Tennessee has a far better chance of making the college football playoff, which would be a national championship, not an SEC championship. And I know I would rather win one than the other. And I'll also say this. Just judging from how Georgia played on Saturday, I'm going to go out on a limb that's not that long and say that Tennessee is going to win just as many sec championships game this season as LSU is (laughs) Yeah, probably so gonna, gonna be a big fat zero on that one for LSU sec championships this year. So, um, that's it. Uh, all right. So we both think big win over Missouri, Tennessee's pissed off and, uh, should be fun. Honestly, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to enjoying the last game in Neyland. On Saturday, riding with this team again. The playoff is there. Just go out, take care of business. Make sure you do that because it's all there still for this team. Anything else, Zach,
1: before we split? No, I mean, this should pretty much wrap up uh, the Georgia game so we never, ever, ever have to speak about it again. I think we can bury this one, bury the footage, forget it happened. Don't don't want to think about it anymore. It was out a grueling, annoying,
0: just aggravating afternoon. That's the the only time I want to think about Georgia again is what Mr. Jones says here in the comments. If and when we play them in the playoff. That is the next time I want to think about Tennessee playing Georgia. God. I can't even imagine my anxiety if that happens. Oh, that's going to be one. Yeah. Uh, we, we will cross that bridge if it comes. Um, I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Thank you so much to everybody who watched. who stuck with us. A ton of people watched the entire show. You guys are amazing. Commented the entire time. You're too good to us. We we could not appreciate it more. The show has totally blown up this season. It's all because of you guys. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Once again, like, subscribe, rate, review, yada, yada. You know what to do. You've, you're here. You've been watching it this whole time. The A to Z Sports channel, a to zsports.com. at Charlie and Descobers, at Zach D&T, blah, de, blah, de, blah. That's it. Thanks again for watching, and we will talk to you all next week. See you guys later.